We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome into the Rotowire Basketball Podcast brought to you by DraftKings.com. DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports. You can use the promo code ROTOHOOPS. That'll get you a free contest entry with your first deposit on DraftKings.com today. It is Tuesday, November 10th, the year 2015. Nick Whalen here, uh, hosting with DJ Trainer in studio uh, on Tuesdays, as we always are. DJ, how is it going? It's going great. I love how you say in studio, like we're not just sitting right next to each other in the office for 40 hours a week. Like right. I come in to do this. Well, you're, you're in the studio and there are some podcasts for all of our Rotowire podcasts, whether it's basketball or otherwise that you know are remote, they're over Skype. So it's, it's a more intimate setting. I like doing the, the in studio pods. Yeah. I just, yeah, I just love the in studio drop. Just want people to know that we, yeah, we are in studio. You are about three <laughs> and a half feet away from me as we do this, but uh, I think we're going to do our normal Tuesday thing, you know, look at look at what happened on Monday. Maybe we'll look back over the weekend a little bit, just kind of talk about what's all been going down in the NBA over the last few days. We can preview a couple of Tuesday's matchups. Kind of an odd night. Uh, seven games on the schedule, but they're all starting between 6 and 7 Central time. So no late game. I, I can't think of the last time that that's happened when there's this many games on the slate. Get your lineups in, folks. And let me tease it now. Nick, I had a funny interaction with uh, an NBA team on Twitter this past weekend. So uh, we'll uh, talk about that at the end. I'll just tease it. Wow, I am. You don't even know about waiting. it, do you? No, I don't think so. Okay. I, I, I got to get my DJ Trainer tweet alerts set up. They're, they're not working right now. Uh, but we'll start. We'll look at Monday's games. Uh, unless there's anything from the weekend that you wanted to recap, NBA or otherwise, anything eventful. Andre Drummond is just a beast. Now, one thing I do want to say. Um, or I, you know what? I can save it for the Pistons. I'll just I'll just say one thing: is that he's a beast right now. Uh, we'll talk about it later on in the show. But you got to wonder how that affects the guys around him. At some point, you're getting to where it's 
it's almost like, oh, make sure Andre gets the gets the rebound here. Um, oh, you know, think so? they used to do that. DeAndre Jordan and the Clippers, they kind of did that, and really? DeAndre would give them a weird look if there was an easy one, and they did, oh, and they okay. did well that situation. Yeah, maybe. yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't think they're gonna like try to pad. Like, you think Stan Van Gundy's gonna be on board with that of all coaches? I don't I'm just, so. I'm just saying, when two guys are near the basket, they're gonna make sure Andre gets the rebound, and you never know when that situation is gonna come up, and they might, you know, there be some miscommunication where it's like, just go get the ball guys don't worry about padding stats anyways we'll get to it yeah we will get to that but Drummond has 137 rebounds through seven games uh (laughs) that is 44 more than anyone else which is obscene like that is completely ridiculous he has 21 more offensive rebounds than anyone else I mean like the numbers you could just kind of go all day and just sort categories by by whatever criteria you want and find uh just kind of astounding stats so one of the better starts of the season uh, that we've seen out of anyone in a while and the Pistons were in action against Golden State uh, obviously their toughest matchup of the season and a team that hasn't really shown any kind of chinks in its armor yet at all um, but yeah I mean the Pistons were in this game for most of it 109-95 was the final on that one so they fall by 14 points but they only trailed by four going into the fourth quarter uh, the Warriors kind of buckled down at that point. Drummond had just a terrible, terrible game. 14 points, only 15 rebounds with two blocks. He really needs to get in the gym and just figure out his issues. Is he losing it? He's, I think he's losing it. You know, it's a big whoop if Drummond is doing this on the teams of old in Detroit. But now that they're really good, um, can we say MVP candidate? Can we be way too early in this and, and throw around MVP? I think— Why not? I guess if you're looking at things as they stand right now— Yes, if you're assuming that the Pistons continue to win at this rate, which they probably won't, but they're five and two uh, right now, and you know if they end up as a, a playoff team in the East and Drummond somehow continues this ridiculous pace, then I guess he's an MVP candidate. But I just think there's too many strong candidates around him. I mean, Curry is in a league of his own right now. Blake Griffin, if Stephen Curry wasn't in the league, Blake Griffin would be like the current runaway MVP, and then he's been overshadowed. You have Westbrook, you have Durant, you have LeBron, you got other. You know, Paul George is going to get his name in the mix, probably not. You know, on the same tier as those other guys, but it's going to be tough for Drummond to win it. Um, you know, just just based on where I think we see this Pistons team ultimately finishing. But if for some reason he's able to sustain this production, then I think I guess by default he has to be in that conversation. All right, let's move on to some of the other players on this team. Then, since it's obviously you're going to plug and play Drummond, you already made your bed with his low field goal or low free throw percentage. You're just gonna you're just gonna throw him out there and you're just gonna do it and can't worry about it too much. What do you think about Stanley Johnson, though? He got 32 minutes last night, but we've seen so far this season maybe he wasn't that Rookie of the Year candidate we made him out to be in the preseason. 20 points, 7 rebounds. That's obviously fantasy relevant in 14-team leagues if he can sustain that, but I just don't see that happening. It's just going to be a case, I think, where he's going to see you know 32 minutes one night. The next night, he'll make a rookie mistake, and Van Gundy will have him on the bench and only see 12 minutes of action. It's just not a reliable fixture at this point in the year. Second half of the season, when he matures a little bit, that could definitely change. Yeah, and this was easily his best performance of the year, 20 points, 7 rebounds in those 32 minutes, 9 of 14 from the field. This is maybe the... Or the uh, the Stanley Johnson that we saw in the preseason a little bit more and you know obviously you have to temper your expectations as you turn to, to more real basketball but yeah it's hard to predict this on a week or on a night-to-night basis I mean Ursan Ilyasova only played 17 minutes in this one he wasn't in foul trouble wasn't hurt uh, so yeah I mean they kind of they kind of opted to go with that smaller lineup you know Morris uh, Marcus Morris Stanley Johnson and Drummond together uh, so you know maybe not playing as much of, of Ursan and Morris together which I like because I think those guys are kind of overlaps in a way I think that's kind of redundant they're both kind of stretch force to a degree some people might argue that on Morris but when when you're coming down to it they're basically both stretch force and so I see that point of view um uh you know I mentioned this on every single podcast two through four uh positions for Detroit you know could change rapidly especially if Stanley Johnson comes into his own and can edge out Contavious Caldwell Pope or something like that um, in terms of solid fixtures for the rest of the season you're looking at Reggie Jackson you're looking at Andre Drummond and just don't be surprised if a Marcus Morris or Ilya Sova falls out of the rotation especially when Jody Meeks comes back in a month or two yep yep and the Meeks addition is going to be interesting to see how they get him back in here um, you know Contavious Caldwell Pope has played pretty well Kind of the same type of game that we saw from him last year. Jump shooting, jump shooting, jump shooting. That's about 
the extent of his offensive game. We can get to the hole a little bit, but a good defender. And Stan Van Gundy certainly likes that. I mean, you look at the minutes totals that he's played. 36 minutes is the fewest minutes that he's played through seven games. So even if he's not shooting it at a high rate, I mean, you look at his last few games, he's just three of his last 11 from three, but he still has value as a defender. And I mean, he scored in double figures in six of those seven games. Right, so he's going. He has four straight games after after last night. Uh, last night being Monday, where he has at least double digit points and at least one steal. And over the last two games, he has six total steals. And so uh, he's one of those guys, though, that people just refuse to believe that he's fantasy relevant or refuse to believe that he's doing a good job. Yeah. And so it's going to take like two weeks before people jump on this guy's bandwagon. It, you know, if you've got a spot uh, in your rotation on your own personal fantasy team, go ahead and use it. I mean, if he continues with this pace, he's relevant. And you can go out there and, um, you know, beat your guys or your friends who think, you know, have to wait two weeks before they're willing to pick him up. Right, absolutely. And I think people have kind of developed a mistrust for these Pistons teams over the last six or seven years. So it kind of takes a while uh, you know, for people to come around on them. But looking at other games from Monday night slate, we'll turn now to the Magic and the Pacers. And this was pretty much the Paul George show uh, for Indiana. 27 points, got to the line 11 times, made 10 free throws, 7 assists, 4 rebounds, did have 6 turnovers. Uh, but the Paul George of old is, is pretty much back for this team. George Hill had a nice game as well, 23 points for him, and seven rebounds to go with two assists. Still don't really like the direction of this Pacers team necessarily. I do obviously like Paul George a lot, but the front court has issues. They really haven't figured out how to use Monte Ellis quite yet, and, and they're about as thin as just about any team that we're labeling a contender right now for a playoff spot. Paul George, I'm thinking that he probably went in the second, maybe third round in a lot of drafts. And in terms of the production he's putting up right now, he he can win people a lot. Because, um, I mean, this is first round potential, you'd think. I mean, he's still, I mean, you think he can only get better from here too, which is which is kind of a crazy thought. But this is basically what he was doing before that tragic uh, leg break that he had. Front court, like you said, Nick, um, I've always liked Jordan Hill better than anyone else in that rotation, but I'm willing to admit that he's not reliable any given night. In the deepest of leagues, I prefer him over Jan Mahimi and, um, and, the, and the young rookie who's not out there, Miles Turner. Is Miles Turner? Yeah, my, oh, sorry. Yeah, I looked over his name. He played 20 minutes last night, 10 points, four rebounds, nothing special. And I really just don't expect him to do much of anything during his rookie season. He wasn't a rookie coming in that we thought if he saw minutes, he would put up a lot of production. He was labeled immediately as a project. And so I don't even think next year he's a guy I'll be looking at, much less this year. I think some people thought Orlando would maybe be a surprise team in the East. You know, I think there's a lot to like as far as what young assets are on this team. And, you know, I kind of saw them as a, a light version of last year's Bucks. You know, if they can, they're bringing in a, a more defensive focused coach. They have the pieces. They have Oladipo, they have Peyton, they have Gordon, Harris. You know, a lot of young pieces that you really like, a lot of talented guys. But, you know, I don't know if they've really quite turned the corner. They had a big win over Toronto. Uh, last Friday but other than that um, you know they, they really haven't shown the ability I guess to stick with better teams and, and they've really just kind of lost this one in the fourth quarter it's 13 fourth quarter points uh, on Monday against Indiana so just an inability to finish and it looks like they're not quite ready to take that next leap yet but it is still early that makes sense though it's it's a young team you're gonna have growing pains Nick, I have one team on my second half watch, and so last year Utah Jazz finished super strong in the second half because young young pieces really came together well. So I have two teams, two candidates for this year's second half team, um, Minnesota Timberwolves, which I've already discussed, and that makes a lot of sense. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and say the Magic, too. I think we've already seen them struggle in this first half, but it's a team that has young pieces that if, if they keep this core over the next few years, they could be one of the top teams in the East, no problem. And so let's put them on the second half watch. I don't expect much of them in the first 42 games or the four, first 41 games, I should say. Second half, they could come around, especially in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we, we might not find out. I mean, it's still so early in the in the season that we might not find out what these teams are made of, especially a young team like Orlando. One thing I wanted to add, sorry, Nick, to jump in here late. Dwayne Dedman is taking over for the injured Nikola Vucevic. A lot of people I've seen in some of my leagues picked up Dedman. He's really not someone that you even want to use. Obviously, he's starting, but he saw 23 minutes last night and only put up five points, nine rebounds. Of course, that's nice, but he's not hes not a candidate to just immediately see a bunch of production, even though he has a starting role. Right. He's a defensive-focused guy. Not and Vucevic guy. isn't supposed to be out that long anyway. No. no. I mean, daily, obviously, you don't want to be using Vucevic, but it's you know, certainly not a guy you want to cut bait with. 
Bulls won 11. The winless 76ers fall to 0-7. They score only 88 points in this one. Bulls back on track, it would appear. Derrick Rose is playing a little bit better of late. Um, you know, I think people were pretty pretty close to writing him off about a week ago. There was that report from Brian Windhorst that Chicago wanted to get rid of him, and obviously the contract situation uh, is an issue as far as that goes. But Derrick Rose, 12 points, 7 assists, 5 rebounds, 6 of 14 shooting, 0 of 3 from beyond the arc. I think they want to curb that three-point shooting as much as they can. But still, not a game where, where he hurt them by any means. Uh, Pau Gasol, 16 points, 6 blocks in this one for him 20 points 10 rebounds for Miritich he's finally turning things around got he's given an up and down uh, a guy that I've been recommending a lot uh in daily formats and he's been a little bit more inconsistent than I was expecting you know with the shooting um but I think this is the guy that other than Jimmy Butler maybe has the highest night to night upside yeah that's that's definitely the case I'm surprised. Are you surprised? He wasn't even necessarily considered a starter, of course. You could have went with Joachim Noah and Pau Gasol starting in that front court like they did last year. You push Miritich out to a reserve role where he's really not seeing a, a bunch of minutes. But instead, new coach Fred Hoiberg's shaking things up. Very Steve Kerr-esque in terms of putting veterans on the bench, even though it may be an unpopular move. But it seems to be working out so far. Most importantly, Derrick Rose is averaging almost 32 minutes per game. I am pleasantly surprised by that um, well they don't do have you, any other options that's the thing I, I mean if they had like anyone other than Etwan Moore and Aaron Brooks he probably is averaging in the 20s you think so yeah I mean it, they have no other options well so you're saying that this is best case scenario scenario for Derrick Rose in terms of they would rather be resting him like similar similar to last season not resting him I just don't think they would want to play him 32 minutes a game I, I mean he wouldn't I, they wouldn't hold him out of games I just think if they had a better like if they had Darren Collison Derrick Rose wouldn't be playing 32 minutes a game. Yeah, but Darren Collison has got to be like one of the best backup point guards right. in the entire league. Well, I don't know. I mean, who's who's even like an average backup point guard? I don't know. Give him, give him like Mario Chalmers. I don't know. He's better than Etwan Moore and Aaron Brooks. I, Kirk Heinrich, no good? Well, he's been hurt. So, I mean, I don't think – well, first of all, he's no good either way, but he's been hurt. And he's kind of the guy that you look at like Thibs, or Tibbs loved Kirk Heinrich and probably overplayed Kirk Heinrich for the last few years. And now that this is a guy that even when healthy probably isn't going to be much of a factor on this team and – Probably rightfully so. I, I mean, I, Derrick Rose is playing well enough to be a starter in this league. That's for sure. He's not. He's certainly not the Derrick Rose of old. I, I just don't think they have any better options. They don't really have a choice but to play in big minutes. Yeah, there's just not a lot of great backup point guards in the league. I mean, DJ Augustine, CJ Watson are those two guys that you would rather have. I mean, that would Maybe potentially Augustine played well parts of last year. Yeah, I CJ mean, CJ Watson. Game manager, kind of like the Alex Smith of backup point guards. Yeah, we can we can move on from this. I'm just looking. I'm just pleasantly or not pleasantly. I'm just uh, surprised. Unpleasantly. Surprised. Unpleasantly surprised about the backup point guard situation. I'm just not sure. I mean, if you're going to have a guy like Darren Collison, then that means your team is pretty deep to begin with. And so okay. uh, I think you're in a good situation. I think this is realistic, though, is what I'm trying to say, is your backup point guards aren't going to be Darren Collison. They're not going to be Isaiah Thomas. You just Not many teams can afford that luxury. And so Derrick Rose playing 32 minutes a night is, is, is somewhat typical of what you were hoping to expect, I think. Oh, from a fantasy perspective, for sure. I, I just don't think they're deep enough uh, with ball handlers. Even like... Look at the Bucks, for example, and they have Jared Bayless, Grievous Vasquez off the bench. I mean, those are like two guys who are noticeably better than Moore and Brooks. So sure, sure. Teams have them. I don't know. It, it varies. It varies in role, and you know, certain players look effective on some nights and, and ineffective on others. But looking at the Sixers in this one, Rashawn Holmes got the start at power forward. No Nerlens Noel on Monday. Sounds like he's probably going to be out on Wednesday, too. I think he's currently questionable with that wrist injury. So if he sits out, maybe Holmes is a guy to look at briefly uh, I mean 11 points three rebounds a couple blocks for him in 28 minutes I mean a pretty solid uh, first start for him in the NBA Jill Okafor 21 points 15 rebounds but then you look at the shooting and he went just nine of 25 right and he's a rookie like I said that's why I stay away from rookies is because you never know what you're gonna get um, 21 and 15 that's amazing. It's fantastic. But next, you know, next game he could get into foul trouble and then he's on the bench because he's just he's just not well rounded yet. So I do have Okafor in, in some dynasty formats and he did well for me there. But I'm just gonna be I'm gonna be expecting him to digress. It's just gonna happen. He's not gonna sustain that. One thing I want to ask you about Nick because you're you love the the college fee now. I'm turning into like an average or below average NBA star. You're all about that. Do, am I? Yeah, t you are. TJ McConnell here, he, I saw him go for $27 on a $100 fab budget for the entire year. So basically someone gave up 
over over a quarter of their entire fab budget this year. I say I I thought that was insane. But what do you think? Because I know you've been talking about McConnell a little bit over the last week. First of all, T.J. McConnell is not a college star by any means, and you and I maybe are he's a little more, more of a biased college. than others yeah. because of what 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 went down <laughs> between Wisconsin and Arizona over the last couple of years. Uh, you know, we don't have to get into the results. So hopefully, J- uh, Rotowire's James Anderson is listening to this uh, resident Cats fan. But no, I mean T.J. McConnell in the short term, I think is great. Like if if they if Brett Brown came out and said T.J. McConnell is going to be our starting point guard for the rest of the season, and that's, that's obviously a big declaration. He didn't do that, and when he was asked about it last week. Um, you know, Kendall Marshall's hurt, Tony Roten's hurt. Those two are coming back. And when they asked Brett Brown, is you know what's going to happen when those guys come back? He was non-committal, and that when you look up and down this roster, there's only two guys that you're really going to commit to all season, and that's Okafor and Noel. I mean, Covington is kind of on the border there. Stauskas maybe because they have an investment in him with the trade, but I don't think they're going to be. They're not going to make a point to like carve out 30 minutes a night for T.J. McConnell when they have Kendall Marshall and Tony Roten healthy eventually. Yeah. So uh, Keith Pompey, friend friend of the pod. Uh, writes for the Philadelphia Inquirer. He was more leaning towards that McConnell would definitely move to a bench role when those guys come back, and that makes sense. And so, given that, and given the fact that TJ McConnell is TJ McConnell, um, I I just don't know why you would put too much investment if you picked him up. Um, good for you on the waiver wire, but I think that he could hit the bench even before those guys come back. Yeah, I think he's he's kind of a specialist. You know, I mean, he's a he's a good passer, but he's a guy that's just not a threat offensively and at some point you kind of have to mortgage whether that's worth it um offensively in terms of shooting because he is doing well with assists oh yeah 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 i mean assists are huge he's a great defender you know and he's kind of a mixture of if you could like mix aaron Kraft and kendall marshall like you would get tj mcconnell (laughs) um but at the same time like i said you know a guy who kind of pales in comparison athletically to a lot of point guards as good of a defender as he is you know at some point he's going to be limited there and you know, a team that is as offensively challenged as any in Philadelphia, can you afford to have a guy who's a net negative on that end on the floor for 30-plus minutes a night? You know, we saw there, there was kind of a phase in the NBA, and maybe it was more in the mid-2000s, late-2000s, when that was maybe not a trend, because I don't think you ever want that. You don't want to target players who aren't good offensively, but, you know, guys like Rondo were, were all-star caliber. Jason Kidd back in the day was that type of point guard. Um, so, you know, it's, it's tough to find, you know, a ton of examples of that and I just don't think that the way the NBA is trending right now that you can afford to have a guy who's playing big time minutes who just doesn't really give you much as a shooter and can't space the floor so what you're referring to that trend is a trend towards quote-unquote true point guards what people like to call true point guards who aren't shoot first they're pass first guys and like you said that's it seems like the days of old now when you've got Russell Westbrook Chris Paul and they're they're you know arguably some of your best offensive weapons in terms of shooting that you have on the court Right, and it's you know McConnell's not a bad offensive player. I'm not I'm not trying to knock him by any means. I mean he, he's certainly adequate, and like you said, the assists are huge. I mean you look at his last five games: eight assists, nine, four, twelve, twelve, and those, those numbers are great by any standard. Um, but he's only attempted forty shots in seven games, and in, you know just not being a threat in that in that realm, I think, is an issue. Last thing I'll say about this is we've seen this before with Philadelphia. We've seen point guards come in, do really well, and then they're gone. And so the fact that McConnell is doing it is is not irregular. This has happened before, so I wouldn't just assume based on his box scores that he's he's locked in to the starting role even until Kendall Marshall and T.J. Roden get or T.J. Roden Tony Roden get back. Um, so just just be weary if you picked up McConnell that he may not be he may not be there for too much longer. Timberwolves one seventeen, Hawks one oh seven, maybe the most misleading score of the night uh, in many ways. Minnesota jumps out to an eleven point lead in the first quarter. They score seventy two points at halftime, so it's seventy two to forty two at the half. The lead gets into the mid thirties early in the third quarter, and then. Atlanta comes storming back. They score 42 points of their own in the second quarter, and then they ended up taking the lead late in this one. A Paul Millsap, uh, pretty nifty move, went around the back, slithered through the lane, uh, and ended up laying it in. So the Hawks took the lead at the 325 mark of this game. And from then on, it was all Andrew Wiggins. I don't know if you've seen the highlights from this one, but Wiggins was ridiculous. Um, The kind of assertiveness that I think people have wanted to see from him in a while was on full display. two or three times, maybe even more than that. I mean, I, I just kind of watched the the uh, league pass condensed version of this game, and 
getting into the lane and just going into defenders and using his combination of athleticism and kind of sneaky strength. He's a guy who's pretty skinny, but you know, obviously strong, a strong finisher and just kind of going up and over guys and, you know, Millsap and Horford trying to contain him. And I mean, it's noticeable. It's kind of comical how much higher he's jumping and just getting so high up that they can follow him. And he's still suspended in the air that he could just kind of lay it in or toss it in. So definitely made some difficult looks, got a couple and ones in that fourth quarter. And, you know, the Wolves were able to, to kind of put it away when it looked like they were going to blow a big one on the road. We we saw him a few weeks ago when when he was here in Madison playing against the Bucks, and to me he seemed like one of the most competent players on the court. He, at no points, at least when I was watching, did I think that he you know didn't know what he should be doing or like he got beat on defense because he just didn't know the scheme or anything like that. And so in terms of him grasping the game of basketball and NBA level, I think he's already there. That's not something he has to worry about. It's about being aggressive for him. It's finding his spots, like really, like really being in touch with uh, who who's guarding you and all that stuff. Um, so LeBron mode, if you will. LeBron knows everything about everyone's defensive talents. So let's look at Wiggins. The last two games, Vest is coming. Vest is coming off. It's getting too hot in here. Vest is coming off. <laughs> so last two games, last night he attempted 22 field goals. The game before that against Chicago, uh, 27, and he came away with 33 and 31 points respectively. I hope this is something we're going to continue to see because he's going to be one of the next best NBA players. And so go ahead and attempt 20 shots at least a night. But I don't think it's going to be something we're going to continually see. Or maybe did we just see a change in strategy here, Nick, with the Timberwolves? I mean, they came away with a solid win last night, even though they did almost give it away. Yeah, and you know, I was texting back and forth with a Timberwolves friend who's you know, very, very into the team. And, I mean, he was kind of melting down throughout that third and fourth quarter but I mean at the end you know, we talked about it and we just you know a win's a win that's a good Hawks team it's a Hawks team that only had one loss coming into that game and you know the the Wolves are four and two and the biggest thing with this is they won the game with Carl Towns having 17 and 12 and Andrew Wiggins having 33 uh to go with five rebounds and four assists like those were the two guys that ended that stepped up and won this game for them and I think that's what's most encouraging and and then that and that boy got so many times and got 31 points they won that one too yep. and so they won these last two games where Wiggins is the main focal point of the offense or or you know the primary focal point right so talking about Wiggins real quickly, I have, a, I have an email thread going back and forth with a group of, of NBA friends of mine. We, we've been having this debate for the last two days now. People have been weighing in, and it's, it's kind of a random group of people, a random group of players, I should say, um, that, that we're debating right now. But some, uh, one of the guys asked, who would you rather have? You're starting a team right now, Giannis, Wiggins, Kyrie, or Lillard? I don't know why Lillard was thrown in there. Uh, not my choice. But of those four, how would you rank them? Okay, I'd go Wiggins, Giannis. Um, or, who was the other one besides Lillard? Kyrie. Yeah, Kyrie would be last for me. I I know that's crazy, that's, but that would have that would have drawn some some ire, some ire? From, the, okay. from the group. I I went with uh, Wiggins, Kyrie, Giannis, Lillard. Lillard's twenty five. That's the big issue. He's twenty five. <sighs> he's not. He's a high volume shooter. He's not an efficient scorer. He's a bad defender. Okay, not, not an elite passer. It's more of a toss-up between Lillard and Irving for me. So I'm definitely going to go Wiggins first, and I'm definitely going to go Giannis second. Would that quick question? Would that would you have said the same like two weeks ago before the season started? And Giannis has looked so much better. No, I still would I still would have went with him because I'm also thinking of it from a marketability standpoint. I know that's maybe not ideal no, or no, what no. I should take be doing. That, take that into account. That's fine. But if I'm going to start a franchise, I want someone who's marketable. Kyrie Irving isn't quite that marketable because he's always injured. Like He's not a guy that's going to put people in the seats because he's always injured. Dame Lillard, I, I, he's not that exciting on the court. I mean, he is exciting, but he's I don't know. It, it's tough for me. So Giannis and Wiggins because they could be better than Lillard and Irving are at basketball. Period. I think I mean, we're forgetting how good Kyrie is. Just yeah, you know why we're forgetting? Because he's always injured and he's always on the bench. That's why we're forgetting, and you have to factor that in too. Yeah, if he yeah. has major injury concerns when he's in his in his twenties, and back when he was at Duke for his only year, he missed basically the whole season. Like he's just not someone who I want to start my franchise okay. with, not only for basketball reasons but for marketing reasons. Okay. All right, that's fair. And yet, I mean, that's obviously the biggest knock on Kyrie is the health issues. I think he's noticeably better than Lillard when healthy. Um, and 
you know, I guess maybe we'll see how this this next season ends up with him. But yeah, I just want to get your quick take on that. So, That's a very, great. Very love those questions, though. The Wiggins Giannis thing is closer than I than I would have pegged it a couple weeks ago. Yeah, like, you're right. Is, I, I know it's a small sample size, and I know you know maybe I'd show for the Bucks or whatever. But I I think Giannis has impressed me so far. He looks like he's even after what was not the greatest game from him on Saturday. Like he just. He just looks better. He looks he, his improvement from year two to three is already noticeable, much more than it was from year one to two. The thing for me that I'm surprised about with Giannis on the offensive end is he's engaged. Like he is engaged in the Bucks offense. Something that he was maybe for spurts, but I mean he he thinks he's the man and he is the man. Kind of kind of in Milwaukee right now, and so there's definitely a difference. And you're right, it's it's closer. I still just don't know if he can ever be a number one. I. When I, and a number one option, I want a guy that you can give the ball to and you can get a good shot. And the, the difference from good players or great players to superstar players is the ability to create their own shot and make their own shot. And Giannis is still tentative with that. He still doesn't look confident in his three-pointers. I mean, he's if you watch the Bucks at all, he's, he's making threes. I think he had a three-pointer made in each of his first four or five games. So, I mean, he's certainly better from in that area. I mean, he's going he's gonna to like probably quadruple his total made threes from last season, which was only like seven, so maybe even more than that. But he still doesn't have like that. He would never pull up, you know, and like right. he, exactly. Like, that's not like a necessity, <laughs> I guess. But like you need, you kind of have to have somebody but Nick, who's willing to do that. But Nick, in a, in most of the situations he faces, he doesn't need to pull up because he it takes him two and a half steps to get like from the three point line to get to the rim, and so he's never actually been in many situations where he has to pull up. He doesn't. You know, so let's just say he's at the three-point line. He starts to drive. A lot of guys are like, oh, man, there's a couple of trees that just came in and collapsed on help side defense. I got to pull up real quick as soon as possible. For Giannis, it's like, well, just one Euro step here, and I can walk around the trees and lay it up. And so he is a completely different – he's revolutionized whether you need to pull up or not. Okay, well, right now it's either – you know, size someone up, take him off the dribble, and pull up from like 12 feet. That that he's been able to do, but that's only if the defender is backing off enough and respecting the drive that he has an open look or get all the way to the hole. And like, there's no in between right now. And it's only year three, and he's only 20, 21, whatever it is. So that'll come. But we're way off topic now. Let's get back to the game. Oh, this is. Um, I would hope that anyone listening to this enjoyed that conversation. I hope so. Yeah, I think it's it's stimulating. But maybe not. nothing else. Nuggets 108, Trailblazers 104. Two teams that maybe might not end up being that good at the end of the year, but teams that are pretty fun to watch. I mean, Manuel Moutier got back on track, 18 points, six rebounds, five assists, a couple blocks, uh, six of 12 shooting, which is great for him, a guy who's been pretty inefficient this year. But, you know, kind of what we expected, putting up those counting stats that you're going to see from a big point guard who goes 6'4", 6'5". J.J. Hickson, 19 and 13 for him. Obviously, the the Nuggets continue to deal with all those center injuries. Uh, Lavernier. Jokic is back, thankfully, but uh, Nurkic. Just too many European. They're names. hard. Like, they're to honestly pronounce. hard to keep. I didn't even of. know it was Laverne. I thought it was Laverne. I, I've heard people say Lauvern, Louvern. Oh, I, but I, I think if I looked up the Basketball Reference pronunciation correctly, it looked like Laverne. I could be very wrong, so please correct me if I am wrong. Um, looking at the Portland side of things, thirty points for Lillard. Ha- had some big plays in this one. Some some highlight type of plays. A guy who's like he's kind of expanded his range and like just totally lost consciousness from three. Like he's always been a guy who will take difficult three pointers and, and make them a lot of times. But like some of the shots that he's taken this year, like four, five, six feet behind the line, and it's it's kind of Curry esque, I guess. Um, C J McCollum, sixteen points for him, three rebounds, two assists. C J McCollum is like slowly ascending the ladder to becoming one of my top five favorite players. We have kind of talked about this, Nick, where we're actively trying to like clear out our schedule to watch these late night Portland games. That's why I'm disappointed. There's no late games tonight. Yeah. What, what am I, what am I going to do after 9:30? Seriously, I I love watching those late games, and so the port like the Blazers aren't really going to do anything, especially in the West. But they're just so incredibly fun to watch. Lillard and McCollum are going to lead the way in terms of fantasy value there. Leonard, Aminu, Plumley. If you got some stock in them, you just kind of want to hang on to it and see see what materializes over the next month of the season. I really, if you're already invested, I would just stay invested in in any of those three guys. Um, I don't know. It's it's a more of a wait and see because they have a lot of potential. We've seen it. Both all three of those guys scored in double digits, and they had at least four rebounds between um, all of them, and two 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 assists at least between those three as well. In terms of the Nuggets, the best possible thing I could p- see from Emmanuel Mudiay is that he only had two turnovers. Um, when you talked about counting stats, he's definitely hurting you in turnovers. Um, everywhere else, he's pretty solid for a rookie. Shot fifty percent from the field. 
he's someone especially like out of all the rookie class that I think by the end of the season he'll be a completely different player um, than he was at the beginning. Do you think that that's going to be the case for any other rookie more so than Moutier? Well, what exactly are you asking? So, so I think Moutier is it's going to be you know just throw him into the fire, especially a point guard, and so his head is going to look like it's under the water for mm-hmm. for the next month or two. But by the end of the season, he could be a very competent point guard, and I would even like be all right with assuming that maybe he'd be a top half point guard, so maybe like a top fifteen point guard um, in terms of you know like using for DFS or something. Yeah, like that. I think in a DFS. Uh, standpoint maybe probably not overall. well you've already recommended him under yeah, well, a couple times price. yeah the price yeah. has been so low and the, the potential for for big assist numbers and rebounding numbers especially and even a couple blocks that most point guards don't give you have kind of been there it's going to be interesting because we're you know the top two point guards off the board d'angelo russell went to moutier went seven i believe six seven eight something like that something i think like six that. or i think seven um and we're kind of seeing different approaches you know byron scott is you know, it sounded like he was going to bench Russell for a little bit. That didn't really end up happening as of now, but he's sitting him in the fourth quarter. On the other hand, like you said, Moutier is just, you know, whatever you want, whatever happens. Um, whatever happens, happens. They're going to let him develop at his own pace. They realize where they're at as a team. Uh, so we might get to kind of see how these contrasting styles work out. You know, if D'Angelo Russell is kind of limited throughout his rookie season and takes a backseat to Kobe and Julius Randle and Jordan Clarkson and more so than anybody, Byron Scott – and we're, it's going to be interesting to see how these two develop alongside each other with such contrasting styles. Yeah, and so so when I pose that question, I'm just thinking that Jaleel Okafor, like, he'll get better by the end of the year, but he's not going to make leaps and bounds like Moutier could potentially do. Well, yeah, I mean, I think he could. I, I think his floor is higher right now. You know, like Okafor's already shown what we think he can be. You know, like he's, he's not this crazy athlete. Like, you don't look at him and say, like, oh, once he learns this, you know, like he has so many tools already, and obviously he does have more to learn, but – you look at his package right now and then you say like is he a guy you really want shooting threes at any point like he already has like the base skill set in point and it's already developed so far ahead of where it usually is for guys that are 19 years old that I think he will obviously he's going to continue to improve as he gets older but it won't be maybe as noticeable as Moutier because Moutier's starting point is a little bit lower and it yeah and I should say it, it's so tough to to compare point guards to center um, especially, I mean, running the offense versus just running and waiting for the ball. So I, I know it's different, but the, just, a, just a thought to throw out there that I think Moutier could be um, someone that we view completely different than we do now, especially in terms of how many turnovers he's giving up. Do you like him overall? Do you think in three, four years he'll be a star? I've been, I've been, uh, I've been overly impressed. Of course, the turnovers are there, and I've, I've been v- very critical of him. And everyone knows by now my take on rookies. But I think he's, I think he's pretty solid. I, I think he's going to be an exciting player for the NBA. I think he's going to be somebody that the Nuggets will, will really cherish over the next, hopefully, five to seven years. Like I, I hope that all these rookies kind of stay where they're at and um, you don't have, you know, um, Stauskas syndrome or something where it's just like you're already a journeyman three years into the league but I will say that I usually hold my expectation um, for rookies in general and then especially foreign rookies or pseudo foreign rookies like Moutier because you just don't know what you're going to get I mean Yeezy on Lee uh, you remember him back with the Bucks? I, yeah of course I remember him just the the worst I think did they go back to back picking him and Alexander uh, I think so yes yeah, let's not let's not talk. You can't about tell that. me you're not a Bucks fan when you just like shake your head. Get well, a little just, red I would in the shake face. my head if any franchise that's did that. Tr- that's I really, true. I really am. I was thinking about this yesterday when I was driving home for some reason from work, and like I really was thinking like I, I like if the Bucks were in the finals, I really don't think I would be like diehard rooting for them. Like I would root for them, but I wouldn't like I really want to get across that I am not shilling for the Bucks. All right. I would uh, much rather the Jaguars win the Super Bowl than the Bucks win the finals. At some point during much the year, rather. I will ease up on on, okay. on clowning on you for that. I, maybe I'll just start blogging for another team or something. <laughs> yeah. um, create a diversion. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like somebody that was compared or that uh, Moody was compared to rather in the draft process was Russell Westbrook, and that's high praise. That goes without saying. A guy who led the league in scoring last year, a guy who's currently leading the league in assists. I mean a ceiling that's almost unattainable, you know, because, like, nobody can match those physical gifts. Like, the only guy who I can think of in recent memory and only other point guard that I'm going to use the term zap to the rim the way that Westbrook does is, is like, peak Derrick Rose. And Rose still kind of does it every now and then. There was a drive he had last night um, where he kind of lost it in the middle of the lane and just took one quick dribble and, like, just, like, teleported from, like, the free throw line to the rim. And, like, Westbrook's that same way where, like, 
you know, there's so many good point guards in the league. Like even Chris Paul doesn't have like that just next crazy gear where you just you get you know you take off from a certain point and you just beat everyone to the rim because you, you just have this quick ability to to fly to the rim and you know maybe Moutier develops that you look at Westbrook's stats when it's all said and done you know, rookie year Westbrook is probably going to look pretty similar to Moutier I think Westbrook will end up being a little more efficient Moutier is turning it over like five times a game right now he's shooting 34 percent we'll see that shooting percentage rise turnovers hopefully will go down eventually but you know, Westbrook made his biggest leap from year two to three and then an even, an even bigger leap from three to four. So it might be a while until we really, really find out what Moody is capable of. Why do we always have to compare, like, incoming rookies to the best p- possible players? You want Why to, can't right? we ever like, just say, this guy's going to be very similar similar to, I don't know, Kemba Walker, shoot the ball too much, play on a really bad team, or, you know, this guy's going to be really similar to Mo Williams. He'll, could, he'll have I just, guess. like, a lackluster career, but he'll make a lot of money. Oh, and eventually, when he's when he's 32 years old, he'll he'll get in the game and, you know... I, I don't know. Like, why do we always go for the absolute best? Because nobody. we have to when they're drafted seventh overall. Okay, I'm just more curious, and I'm not. Cl- I'm not hating on you. He's got the physical gifts. I don't. I mean, I don't know. I think we, you'd be kind of you'd be lowballing him if you're saying you're going to compare him to Kemba Walker. Like, yeah. What, what kind of ceiling are you shooting for? Yeah. Well, you're you're perennially highballing everyone that comes out of the draft because yeah. you're always re- referring to the best players. Is highballing in the league. a term. I just made it. I, I like it. I if you're going to use zap, be. I'm going to call. I'm going to use highballing. Let's do it. Yeah, I, I've never heard that, but it seems like it should be a real thing. Spurs 106, Kings 88. No surprise here. Uh, Demarcus Cousins was back for Sacramento. Five of twenty shooting. Uh, struggled, I think, to say the least uh, against that interior D of the Spurs. But he did get to the line 15 times, and that's the thing about DMC is like maybe the highest floor of any superstar big man because of his ability to get to the line, and he has like that insane usage rate that he's going to make sure he gets his for better or for worse. 21 and 12, three assists, two steals, a block, did have four turnovers. But when he and Rudy Gay combined to shoot 10 of 35, uh, that, that doesn't usually bode well for the Sacramento Kings. Rudy Gay is probably a guy that I highballed coming into this season. Just you know, I was just highballing him too much. Um, he's a guy that I compare to Gordon Hayward a lot. Rudy Gay, Gordon Hayward gives you counting stats not only in points and rebounds, but assists, steals, and blocks. He hasn't really done that great this season. I've been super disappointed because he's usually someone that I snatch up in all my drafts. Demarcus Cousins, DMC, somebody you're going to plug and play him. If he struggles, he struggles. You have to do it. You took him in the first round. If you took him in the second round, good on you. But you took him in the first round. I'm speaking to mostly everyone out there. Rajon Rondo, I still have a lot of faith in him. I think he can be one of the better point guards in the league. Came in with 8-12 and and 3 steals. I mean, he could lead the league in assists, and of course, if he does that, he's going to be valuable in every single type of fantasy format. What's funny is I'm not somebody who's a big believer in single game plus minus. It's funny; it's always fun to look at, just because you know, in, in blowout games, you get a lot of discrepancies. But Rudy Gay played 32 minutes. Kawhi Leonard played 32 minutes. They matched up on each other. Kawhi Leonard was plus 31. Rudy Gay was minus 31. Yikes. They were on the court together for their 32 minutes, and Kawhi just beat the crap out of him. <laughs> yeah, talk about getting manhandled, and it shows up directly in the box score. Right, yeah, and that, this is one of those rare occasions where I think you can actually look at this and say, wow, this uh, this actually does mean something. This, this is single very game, telling of how this minus, game is. And Kawhi's on another level, man. I mean, he's still, you know, say what you want about uh, – you know about what he can do as a creator maybe he's not a number one option maybe he's not the most personable guy whatever but 10 of 13 shooting three of four from three hands down the best wing defender in the league at this point I don't really think big hands down literally yeah he literally has big hands down and it's yeah I mean he's he's just such an asset and I it just like I, I don't have nothing against the Spurs but it's like of course the Spurs luck their way into this guy they trade George Hill for this I mean he wasn't a no-name guy by any means in college but he was far from a sure thing in the NBA, and within like 10 games, it's clear that they got this huge, huge steal. I'm sure they would take offense to you saying that they luck their way into it. No, I'm sure no, of no. a lot of scouting and a lot of... Oh, yeah. I mean, great trade by them to, to have the foresight to deal George Hill and, and end up with that pick to get Leonard. I mean, if any organization deserves the credit, it's, of course, the Spurs. But but we hate to give the Spurs the credit because they're so boring to watch. They're so boring to I cover. W- part of me wants to see him on, like, I want to, I want Kawhi on like the Kings, like and what? so he can How just go out there and yeah. shoot just, as many times as he wants. His career and... could be so much different. I mean, he's going to go down as you know one of the better players of our generation. It looks like, um, but it's interesting when you play in that Spurs system, things aren't discounted by any means. You know, I, I wouldn't say that's the right word, but you're almost held to it. It's like, well, if you play for the 76ers, you have to look at your stats differently. If you play for the Spurs, it's like, well, what could you do if you were on a team yes. that wasn't so deep and wasn't so well coached? So. 
And yeah, the, it's an interesting case study. And the perfect way to do that is re- reverse it and do it with LaMarcus Aldridge. We already know what he looks like when he's the main option somewhere else, um, given his career so far out in Portland. And so he comes to the Spurs, and he's just, like, they're just in this weird box. And we're seeing Kawhi Leonard still fit in that box, but he's filling out just everything. Like He's doing everything he can possibly do with his role on the Spurs right now. And yes, it would be so much fun to see him on a different team. Pistons 95, Warriors 109. We talked a little bit about this one already. Uh, I mean, any final notes that you want to take a look at other than the Warriors just continue to steamroll? No, we, we can just keep it moving here. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to look at their upcoming schedule real quickly and just see, like, is there anywhere that they might lose? They're at Memphis on Wednesday, and Memphis has been a disappointment, to say the least, but a team that played them pretty well for most of that playoff series last year. Minnesota, Brooklyn, Toronto, they're at the Clippers next Thursday. Maybe, maybe you look at that one, but... It's getting to the point where I, I just don't know who's going to beat this team. If they stay healthy, they look, they look better than last year. Yep, they do. They're better than last year. Curry's better than last year. Um, and they haven't even got Thompson going, really. That's the thing. So we, yeah, Thompson isn't even going. Nick, uh, exactly a week ago, we had a podcast that didn't turn out. And I said, you know, uh, I don't like... We're well, not, it didn't turn out audio-wise, we should Yeah, audio-wise. There was an issue with one of the mics coming loose. and you know, Which we didn't, we didn't realize until it was posted. Sorry, right. guys. But um, in that podcast, I'll go ahead and bring it out again. We're only a couple years removed from Curry having major ankle problems, and they just kind of seemed to just go away last year. And his brother, Seth Curry, has ankle issues right now, I believe. And I, and I just like read over kind of our breaking news and notes on rotowire.com. By the way, you can check out all our breaking news and notes rotowire.com forward slash pod to get a free 10-day trial and check out everything we're talking about here. Um, anyways, I saw Curry ankle. And I was like, I was right. I told you, Nick. I told you that we need to be on ankle ankle watch for Curry because a, a guy, we never see a <laughs> guy. Hashtag ankle watch. <laughs> hashtag ankle watch, yeah. We've never seen a guy that you know has injury problems early in his career, and then he's just all healthy for the rest of his career. It just doesn't happen, and so I'm mindful of that. I don't want to be that guy, and I don't want to be so like Debbie Downer about it. But I, I, I'm I would just be surprised if any player in the NBA makes it through two full seasons without an injury concern. I don't even yeah, need to say Curry, I know, and we don't. You know, like you said, you don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but it's realistic, and you know that's something that that was harped on. Do you listen to the Dunk Don Pod? Any, I, I don't. A, no. Good pod, I would recommend, and they're they're not paying us to say that certainly. Um, but you know, I think I think Nate Duncan and Daniel Root just just kind of mentioned that yesterday, and it wasn't in conjunction with Curry. It was just in conjunction with saying at some point some major star in the West or in the East or whoever is going to go down, and at some point probably two or three are going to go down. They might be season-ending. They might miss a couple months. Like it's going to happen. There's just there aren't NBA seasons where stars don't get hurt. And we saw it maybe more than ever. It seemed like last season. So, you know, you never want it to happen to anybody in particular. That's for sure. But at some point, it's going to happen. And hopefully, it's not to Curry. Hopefully, it's not to anybody. But, you know, and you know, obviously, the Warriors aren't the Warriors if they lose Curry by any means. That's that's like the one piece that I think they can't they can't lose and still be a contender. They can. They're so deep that they can kind of sustain a blow and still be a very good team but if they lose curry everything everything could go downhill pretty quickly and so hypothetical i don't even like talking about this no i i don't like talking about it but he said three great seasons where he stayed very healthy of course four years ago he only played 26 games because of all those issues um so i'll just i'll just leave it there even if he does get hurt which he's not going to people he's going to be just fine you're going to use him he's the best player in the nba um, and I and I won't even be you know I won't I'm just I'm just saying that you have to look at injury history over the course of a career, not just last season or the year before that. Yeah, I, I yeah, I mean I don't know if you're looking at talking fantasy like you can't plan around that. I, it's a, it could happen. It, it might not happen. Who knows? But quick note on Thompson through eight games, just one twenty point performance that came last night against Detroit, twenty four points last season in his first eight games, he had five twenty point performances, including a forty one point game in the second game of the year. So this is a guy that really hasn 't gotten going at all i mean he 's sh- shooting forty six percent from the field he 's been effective thirty nine percent from three I mean all the numbers are right there, but the volume really hasn 't quite been there for him, and maybe part of that has to do with how well curry 's playing and how well they share the ball as a team. but I think that's kind of something that hasn't that hasn't been talked about yet is like they can get that much better when if once Thompson inevitably gets on a, a fire streak at some point 
this team could really, really take off. And, uh, and that really hasn't happened yet. He hasn't gotten to the line in, in any of his last three games. That didn't happen at all last season. He never went more than two games without a free throw. So not a guy who is a volume free throw shooter by any means, but you know, he starts attacking a little more. He starts hitting those three-pointers at a higher rate. The Warriors could soar even higher. We're starting to see a little bit of that. I mean, he scored... He scored in double digits all but one game this year, and in that one game, it was his very first one of the season, he scored nine, and and we're having a legitimate conversation about when he steps up. Um, He has gotten four three-pointers in each of his last three games, so maybe we're starting to see it, but until he has that big like 30-point performance, we're just going to be like, what's going on with Thompson? And the Warriors could be even better, but you're right, Nick. The Warriors are already better, and they could get even more better uh, whenever Thompson really gets things in gear. Right, absolutely. Final game from Monday night before we wrap up here. Clippers 94, Grizzlies 92. Chris Paul, 14 points, 4 assists in this one. I think he was still hampered by the groin injury. He was doubtful as of Monday afternoon, quickly changed to probable. Uh, I mean, a guy that really doesn't miss games unless he ever has to, and and he did miss a game over the weekend. But, uh, yeah, relatively low uh, you know, output from Chris Paul if you're looking at uh, if you used him in daily, I guess, on Monday night. But you know, once he gets healthy, I think he'll be back to where we expect. Double double for DeAndre Jordan with four blocks. Blake Griffin got going early in this one, kind of cooled off in the second half, but 24 points, 12 rebounds for him. He continues to quietly uh, kind of cement himself in my mind as a top 10 player for sure, and you, know, you could argue even top five or top seven at this point. I mean, most definitely. And you wonder if Chris Paul is recognizing Griffin's kind of streak right now or or how good he's playing. And you would hope that Paul can step back into that role here where he's more facilitating than needing to jack up shots. He did take 10 shots. Um, but another plug-and-play guy, Blake Griffin, plug-and-play guy, DeAndre Jordan, plug-and-play. The questions here are the bench guys. You know, if you're in really deep leagues trying to peg Jamal Crawford, I mean, you can throw Austin Rivers in there, Josh Smith, Paul Pierce, and they're just not seeing enough minutes right now for any of them to be too valuable. I guess I would say Jamal Crawford, if I had to pick one, is the one I would go with if you're faced with that hypothetical situation. Otherwise, we're just seeing a really deep bench with players who have who have kind of proved themselves in years past in the NBA come playoff time um, it'll be a nice bench to have for sure do you think that they're gonna really take a jump in this year's playoffs because of that bench basically the only change coming into this year for them yeah I think the bench was so bad last year that kind of by default they're gonna take a jump but at the same time the pieces that they brought in aren't exactly guys that you look at as seamless transitions Um, you know looking at it you know Lance Stevenson Josh Smith guys who we really don't even know what position they play. Like Josh Smith plays two positions, Lance Smith plays three positions, Lance Smith, Lance Stevenson plays three positions and you know we know the personality issues around those as well. So if they can if they can get this rotation set. I know there's there hasn't been a lot of uh excitement about Austin Rivers playing in much, as much as he has been and being on the court late in games. They have to get things like that sorted out. Jamal Crawford is kind of a shell of himself at least through the first couple weeks of the season. Um so I certainly think there are, there are things that need to be ironed out with this bench, but if they figure it out and they can get Josh Smith playing like he was at the end of the year for Houston last season and get Lance Smith. Why do I keep saying this? What? Lance Stevenson. What is going on, back, I don't know. I, this, this is unforeseen. You've caught DJ's um, curse of mispronouncing I, yeah, I player say, like, names. Well, if he starts saying Luis Williams. But, uh, <laughs> if, if, I mean, I, I think we're to the point where like Stevenson's never going to be where he was two years ago with Indiana. Like That was just such a, like, a unique situation that worked for him, and it's unrealistic to expect that kind of production. But if they can get him to not be where he was for Charlotte last season, then he can be really productive. And obviously, Wes Johnson is kind of a luxury for them, a guy who's been a big-time bust considering he was a number four overall pick, but a guy who definitely has value. As like, you know, if, you're, if you're pegging him as like your seventh, eighth, ninth man, there are, you could do much, much worse than Wes Johnson. I, I totally agree. And there were talks that he was going to start at the beginning of the right. year. And, um, we didn't even mention Paul Pierce. We didn't even mention Paul Pierce. So they are really deep. And you look at this team and somebody that uh, – it's a squad that could definitely help in the playoff race. I think that Austin Rivers has been holding his own more than I thought he would. Do you feel the same way, Nick? It's, it's, yeah, fu- it's fun to crap on that situation because it's you know father-son. But I think he's actually been doing pretty well. Yeah, I mean he's been better – He's been better than people thought, that's for sure. I mean, this was a guy who looked like he might play his way out of the league after a year with, with New Orleans. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's, I mean, Doc Rivers has called him their best defender, and that's certainly probably the case. I mean, best perimeter defender. I mean, Chris Paul is still a very, very good defender at the point guard spot, but Austin Rivers has done a really good job, I thought, this season and in the playoffs last season uh, of you, defending. Would you rather have Austin Rivers or would you rather have um, 
I was going to, I was going to try, I was no, trying to remember the name. I was trying to remember the name that you created or Lance Stevenson guarding a perimeter defender when it really matters. Uh, I mean, Stevenson's got a couple inches on rivers, doesn't he? Uh, or maybe an inch. I, I don't know. I guess I would rather have Stevenson. I don't know. I mean, they both are so oddly limited in their games. Stevenson you know? guarded like, LeBron when the Pacers were good. I mean, like he's yeah, got the experience. I know it didn't work out. Yeah. I know it didn't work out, but I mean, yeah, I mean, he, he, they're both good defenders. I think that's that's maybe something we're overlooking with this Clippers team. They have options defensively, even if they both both those players are very flawed offensively. It you know when it comes to the playoffs, I think you'd almost rather have the, uh, I think you'd almost rather have the defensive end. We have Rivers at six five, which I'm a little bit surprised yeah. about, and then yeah. Stevenson six six, so it's somewhat of a wash. Sure. Yeah, and and that that sounds about right. I'm trying to find. I think I saw a stat that said the Clippers are leading the league in points per possession. This year, obviously, the Warriors are pretty much kicking everybody's asses in every other stat. Sure. Uh, but, I mean, they obviously play at a slower pace than Golden State. So I, I could be very wrong on that. I'm trying to hunt the stat down, and I just can't seem to, to locate it right now. Um, but either way, uh, a, a pretty impressive number and a, a team that's certainly uh, been very much improved this offseason. Um, any other notes you want to touch on? I know you had a, an interaction that you wanted to – or you teased, I guess, at the top of the podcast. What went down on Twitter? Well, so like some of you guys know, uh, I've followed or I've been the beat writer for the Utah Jazz here at Roadwire for a few years. It was my very first thing that I dipped into um, NBA coverage or they let me dip into. And obviously, I've, my, I've worked my way up since. Um, obviously. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Rudy Gobert is a guy I've had the opportunity to follow, not even just now, but when, back when he was on the bench and playing in the D-League in Reno at the Reno Bighorns, I believe. He's always been one of my favorite players. Just just really like him. Just so tall, lanky, fun to watch, even before people were watching him. So uh, here at Rotowire, we do a serious XM show, and I've been popping on that every now and then. Um, this past Saturday, I did it um, with with our main our man Thornbury out in Seattle, and I had a good time. We did mostly NFL talk, but at the end, we, I did some uh, NBA DFS picks. And then at the end of like the end of the show of the last segment, he's like, "Who are you trying to avoid tonight?" And of course, this was when Utah was playing Memphis. And based on Gobert's price, I said, "You know what? I'm probably going to avoid Gobert going up tough matchup against Randolph, against Gasol, potentially foul trouble. I'm going to avoid him." And then the main fantasy sports radio station for Sirius tweets out. DJ Trainer is avoiding Utah Jazz's Rudy Gobert Whoa. tonight. And I'm just like, oh, man, don't do me like that. And not only do I love the Jazz, love Rudy Gobert, and, of course, Utah Jazz Twitter hits me with a sad emoticon. Oh, Check no. this out. We've talked about sad emoti- or we've talked about emoticons before. Love so they, emoticons. Love um, emoticons. So they just hit me with a sad face. I thought and you were going to say Gobert like, tweeted at you and was like, that would have been, been terrible. That would have been great. Yeah, I would have just deleted my account, I think, after that. <laughs> anyway, and so I'm just like, no, 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 no. I like actually love the jazz. Don't, don't play me like that. Um, anyway, I just you know responded, uh, don't be like that. I love you. And they favored it. But you know, if I could have any team in the, in the NBA – you know, not fall into the situation, it would be the Jazz, it would be the Thunder. So that was my little teaser. Hopefully it was somewhat enjoyable for people out there. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, before we head out, again, quick word from our sponsor, DraftKings. You can go to DraftKings.com, uh, use the promo code ROTOHOOPS, get a free contest entry with your first deposit on DraftKings. Of course, go to rotowire.com, as DJ mentioned earlier. Tons of NBA tools there, still tons of NFL tools as well. We're gearing up for baseball season. I know James and Clay and DVR already getting the magazine ready for that. It's just kind of a constant, constant cycle with those. But uh, yeah, I mean, obviously a ton to, to, to look at on, on rotowire.com and you can get a 10 day free trial to the site at rotowire.com slash free. There's like eight URLs I think you can use to get a free trial. If you just like keep trying rotowire.com slash like random words, it's kind of like, kind of like DraftKings in a lot of ways. Uh, you could probably find your way into a free trial. <laughs> Yeah, there's always lots of words. Uh, pod is the one that if you want to use, it just shows that people are listening to the podcast. and that. Um, so that's why we throw that one out there. But right. Slash Free works perfectly fine. Go on there. Check us out. We have so many contests or content, especially for um, getting you ready for DraftKings. Every we're going to be running a DraftKings contest on Friday, right? We are. I think I, I don't really know the details of this. Shannon, um, Shannon McCune, who hosts the podcast on Fridays with Ken K. Train Kreitz. 
Uh, I By think the, set this up. It's a three dollar entry, I believe, with the 150 prize pool, something like that. Yeah. So the URL we have it here, but it, it's pretty. Uh, Can we read out the URL? No, we cannot. It is it is a grotesque looking URL. So if you'd like to be in the listener podcast, playing up against guys like me, Nick, um, Ken, Shannon, uh, people like that, who you listen to hopefully every week. Go ahead and reach out to us on Twitter, and we'll send you that link because it is ugly. You can find me, of course, at Trainer DJ uh, Nick. Go ahead. Uh, you're gonna make me say it, I guess. I'm gonna make you say it. You're probably sick of saying it. Um, at Whalen, W H A, the number one E N. Get it? Because the number one looks like a lowercase L. Um, so we yeah, still I mean, the guys have it. been giving me crap about that for for a long time because obviously it's not something that's easy to read on the air, but it's easy to type. So hopefully you can find me there. All right, that should do it for us on this Tuesday. Seven games tonight. Hopefully you'll enjoy those, and we'll be back with you. DJ and I will be back with you next Tuesday. You'll be back tomorrow, right? I'll be back tomorrow with Josh Hayes, and also Shannon is out this week. So everybody pray for me. Send out your best wishes. I will be hosting with Ken K.J. Cryant. K. Oh my gosh, Ken KJ. You're already you're already shook. He's got you. Again, I'm just not ready for it. I'm I'm gonna be hosting with Ken this Friday. He's gonna have his whistle, and let's just hope I can make it through an yeah, hour. I'll have the I'll have the bleep button ready on that one. Yeah. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75 percent of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.